welcome to another edition of the Harrogate Podcast with me, Andrew Gray. Regular listeners to the show will know that it's my job to interview and to deconstruct the movers and shakers in the Harrogate and district, and I love doing it. Today is different. I'm recording during the COVID-19 pandemic, and it's more important that we give helpful advice to our listeners today, particularly to the business owners in this area. I'm thrilled to have with me my own business coach, Andrew Jackson from the Alternative Board, and we're going to discuss what businesses are doing, can be doing, and uh, all the things around the COVID-19, which is impactful on businesses. So first things first, welcome, Andrew, to the Harrogate Podcast. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Andrew, and thank you very much for inviting me to speak with you today. We should have recorded this podcast many years ago, in fact, Andrew, so thank you for biding your time to appear on it. Now, tell my listeners about your background, because you know many business coaches haven't done a great deal. They might have read a lot of books, might be very smart, very nice, etc., and I'm sure they've had um, a lot of uh, help and advice to businesses, but I always think it's best to go to people that have done something and that's why I use you as my business coach would you explain to my listeners your background and you know the floor is yours okay thanks Andrew Um, yeah I've had a long career in in business um, probably 25 years in a in a previous career that has seen me run businesses literally around the world uh, in the chemical and logistics supply chain sector, uh, working with companies such as Shell, BP, Petronas, and many of the the, the huge international conglomerates, as, as well as smaller independent companies. I ran businesses in the UK, right across Europe, Middle East, Southeast Asia, China, and in North America, particularly in Houston and, and Chicago. During that time, uh, I've set up and run businesses in all those regions. I spent time living in the Netherlands, running specific businesses there. Then I moved on to Singapore, where I spent four years developing the Southeast Asia and China markets. And I can tell you one thing, doing business out in those markets is very, very different with lots of different challenges. At one point, my uh, my portfolio of businesses, I, I guess if you need to put numbers on it. And we do. <laughs> Go and tell us. It was uh, my portfolio of businesses was around $300 million. Um, uh, and I had about 500 people in various positions around the world. Uh, China actually having the most people where we had some manufacturing facilities. Uh, Most of the rest of the people in other parts of the world were office-based and commercial people. Wow, uh, that's a lot of money. Uh, Probably the the, uh, the most impressive business resume I've had on this podcast, if I may say so. Um, And interesting that you, you mentioned Asia. Now, we're in the middle of the pandemic. Obviously, that's where it's originated from. Um, would you give us sort of your thoughts as to how you think those countries have, have managed and any sort of tips that, you know, that us Brits should take from over there? I mean, you might not have any. I know you're not a health expert, but, um, you know, I, I've never lived and worked in, in China and so on. So, you know, what would you say to us that we can take as uh, useful tips from them? Well, I I think the the two countries in Asia that I have most experience is China and Singapore. Uh, Certainly when it comes to China, one of the the real benefits that they do have, and notwithstanding all the reasons and all the potential causes of uh, this potential outbreak, uh, but they do have 
very much an authoritarian control. So if they want to do something, they do something and they do it very quickly and they put vast resources behind what they want to do. And again, Singapore probably sits somewhere between Europe and China is where they do have uh, slightly more authoritarian control. They do do take decisions very quickly. Uh, And at the beginning of this outbreak, I know from from friends and and colleagues still out in Singapore, uh, they managed the situation very, very well early on by uh, restrictions of people coming in and out of Singapore. Uh, but unfortunately, they're seeing a resurgence of the, the virus there. And there is a, a further lockdown for another month there to contain the outbreak. So I, I think for me, it's about getting things done quickly and putting significant resource behind your plans is the thing that really makes a difference here. But as you said, I'm, I'm not really an expert in, okay. in pandemics and, and, and viruses. And not many people are. So to Harrogate and District, you mean you've been coaching business owners like me and others around here for some time. Um, just explain to my listeners, you know, what are you seeing? You've got the finger on the pulse of so many businesses. Um, I'm sure everyone will want to hear from you know what, what has been your experiences thus far. Yeah, that, that, that's right. I, I uh, my, my previous career that I, I set out for you, I, I, I took a decision to to leave that a number of years ago and really come home uh, uh, to the Harrogate and Yorkshire area that I, I really love. And since then, I have been working with the Alternative Board. Um, just in the Harrogate area alone, uh, we've worked with well over 100 business owners in, in the last 10 years. Uh, across Yorkshire, five, 600 business owners work with the Alternative Board across the Yorkshire region. And I, I think the thing that we're really seeing here is the speed of the onset of the massive change that we've seen as a society and a business community has been unprecedented. You know, we've had interruptions such as uh, recessions uh, and such like. We've had other things that cause impact to businesses. And you can almost apply what we've seen with the business owners and the members of the alternative board that we're seeing they've almost gone through the classic five stages of of grief from initially a bit of denial you know what what the avoiding what's happening and some confusion and a lot of fear out there of what what's going on what's the impact to my business what's the impact to me personally and my family then it drives on to anger frustration uh, some depression and then slowly with some help we're starting to see people accepting and starting to accept what's happening starting to think about well what what can they focus on and what can they change versus what you can't do and what you can't control so we're starting to see the more forward thinking business owners coming out of this this fear stage, this denial stage, and really getting some solid plans together of the things they can control and what impact they can make to to come out of this hitting the ground running at the other side when this does happen. Now, I guess the unfortunate thing here is that without doubt, businesses are going to fail there will be a significant number of failures. People are running out of cash, some quicker than others. Businesses have failed already. 
but there are things you can do to mitigate this. There are plans you can make to come out of this the other side. So do, do talk us through those. It's a nice segue into you know what can business owners do? And I'm, I'm sure it's sector dependent and age of business and scale of business dependent, but you know, some general broad brush um, sort of tips. That's exactly what we're looking for here, Andrew. Yeah, and, and you're quite right. It, it's massively uh, sector specific in terms of how quickly and how deeply uh, businesses have been impacted by uh, this pandemic. And of course, there's some really good government support out there. And we, we'll touch on some of the government support measures uh, shortly. But in general, the, the first thing to do in any such crisis like this, when looking at your business, is really not put your head in the sand. You've got to face up to the facts of your business. You've got to preserve cash and really honestly and deeply evaluate your finances. And the one thing that every business owner should do, and I know I've had many discussions with you about this in the past, Andrew, is, is plan your cash flow in, a, in quite a detailed way and really understand what impact you've had in your business. And have you been hit hard immediately? In which case you'll be doing that, you'll be counting the pennies on a daily basis, or may, may you have a deferred impact to the impact of the virus, which may may mean you have a, a hit to come in a number of months down the line. So uh, preserve cash, forecast your cash and your finances and do that in a really honest way. Then one of the oh, most... Oh, Andrew, I'm going to interject there. Yeah. So you don't always get an easy ride on the Harrogate podcast. Yeah. Uh, it really depends. But in terms of how, how to plan your cash... When, for example, the government's 80% scheme, 80, uh, where employees can be paid 80%, and it takes some time to get their money. And having that, that scheme have never having been introduced ever in this country for obvious reasons, you know, not knowing when that money is going to land in your account, like, how do you plan for that? What are you advising business owners to do? Well, I, I, one, one of the key things... Uh, as well is lean on lean on the experts as well if you're not a financial expert lean on your accountant most businesses sure. will have a good accountant so get them to work with you to prepare a decent cash flow forecast and you will have to do that with some ranges and what we suggest is again depending on the sector some businesses will have seen a hundred percent drop off in revenue some will be less than that and it's important to play some scenarios so how would your business look if you dropped 100% revenue, 25% revenue for three months, for six months, for nine months? And you have to start to, to do some plans on that. And what you're really trying to do is measure how far the wolf is from the door. So, for example, if you had no further sales from today onwards, how long could you keep trading? And that will then allow you to take some more informed decisions in terms of what you might need to do to mitigate keeping that wolf from the door, uh, if, if you allow me to use that expression. You're absolutely quite right as well about the uncertainty of what support is out there, and particularly the, the job retention scheme, um, with many people having employees furloughed. This has got to be the word of the year com <laughs> coming up. Nobody knew what it meant until very, very recently. And applications i believe are going to be opening round about the 20th of april 
I can't imagine that's going to be an easy process to apply for uh, the uh, job retention grants and that that system is going to work seamlessly. My best estimate is that we're not going to see cash from that scheme until certainly well into May, uh, probably the end of May before businesses see cash from that. Now, that's not a government statistic. That's not a promise. That is just my gut feel that it makes sense as well. It makes sense. I think most business owners are thinking it isn't going to happen in April. This is going to be some time after. Yeah, I, I, agreed. I, I think so. It's going to be quite some time afterwards. And there are a number of other government-based schemes that most people will be aware of. Um, is it worth running through some of those things? Run through them now. And you know, what we're also wanting to hear is, you know, how have the business owners that you've been coaching what's their experience has been like obtaining or talking to the banks and british business bank and all, all of the things that are available the grants etc are they coming through this is what we really want to hear yeah i i think that the first one uh, and uh, and the one that i've i've seen most success with it is the small business grant fund this is where businesses who typically that there's they're small businesses they will have uh, uh, a small business rate relief or rural rate relief. They can a- apply for small business grants of 10,000 or, or up to 25,000. That's a relatively easy application process if, if you qualify. And it's very easy to see if you qualify. And I've started to see the first grants being paid in our membership community now. So there's some real cash coming through to some businesses there. Is that money coming from Harrogate Borough Council? Because I think that's where you make the application to, as I have. That, um, is, is, are, they, are they making the payment, or is it local? Is it a national government who's paying you? That's a really good question, and I don't know the answer to the final piece. The application yeah. is certainly done through the local council, where the money actually comes from, whether it comes from them via government or direct from the government, I actually don't know. Um, so I'm not sure about that it's good to know the payments are have been made already and we're Pay- recording today on the 14th of april pa- payments have been made on, under that scheme uh within our within the tab membership community I, I can certainly confirm that now if we go to the other end of the scale uh, i'm working with a number of members who are applying for the uh, coronavirus business interruption loan scheme and this is the government backed scheme where they will back 80 percent of a loan um and up to five million pounds for a smaller business and in this case a smaller business is something below 45 million turnover larger loans available for for, for bigger businesses these loans are applied for via an approved set of lenders so commercial lenders your high street banks and this is becoming a serious problem of the countless billions that the government have promised to release under this scheme a tiny, tiny fraction have been approved and issued so far. I'm working with a number of members who are going through the process. uh, And the majority of my members, I have to say, are just struggling to have any meaningful communication with their banks at this time. And they're in a waiting list and a queue waiting for approvals or not in terms of getting a C-bill loan. This, for me, is one of the biggest issues in the government policy at the moment, that we're not freeing up this cash in terms of these loans quickly enough. And if it doesn't come through quickly enough, uh, 
then businesses are going to start failing. I think once you look towards the end of April, when there's another payroll cycle for many businesses, and then into May, particularly if the job retention money isn't coming through, if there isn't access to this larger fund of money through the the C-bill loans, there is going to be a, a major, major crisis. I agree entirely. I was over the weekend, Easter weekend, reading an article about uh, businesses in Switzerland. And I don't know anything about uh, business in Switzerland, but this um, British man who runs a business there was saying that I think he made his application on the Tuesday. And by the Thursday, something like 20% of last year's turnover arrived in his uh, bank account from the Swiss government. It was as fast as that, uh, with like one page of documentation just to fill in. Ours scheme for us, and I've looked at it for Truth Legal, my firm, uh, the, the, the paperwork is a bit cumbersome to do, and you've got no idea when that the money, if if you are to get it, and if it when it will land, it is a so a terrifying prospect. And I feel for any business owners that are spending time on the phone. Uh, for example, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had to ring the bank. It took me 102 minutes to get through. And that was just to ask a simple question that had nothing to do with loans at all. Uh, but the banks aren't set up for it. The, the, you're right, there's was it 40 odd uh, uh, lenders approved. I think there's many more going to come on, sc- on stream. Uh, but the, the banks, you know, why will they have all their staff ready for this pandemic? They certainly won't. And you're right, you know, how, how you know, it, it is an issue for the government, it's an issue for everybody. I don't know how what they can do about it other than, you know, just making it a you know, an online form where you tick a few boxes and suddenly vast chunks of money arrive in your bank account. But that system seems so open to abuse that I can see why they haven't done it. But by not doing it, they might tank the economy for, you know, years to come. It's a it's a massive problem. And and certainly my, my view is that the intent from the government is that this frees up some uh, liquidity and some, some capital for businesses. The delivery mechanism is unprecedented and the scale is unprecedented. So I do, and I don't say this very often, I do have some sympathy with the banks in terms of the ability to process these things. However, it's becoming serious and there needs to be some form of resolution. And if there could be something like the Swiss approach, that would be ideal. But we're not going to be able to put that right on this call today or this podcast today. But what I would advise is business owners keep putting the pressure on their banks and also look for contingencies, look for alternative sources and keep an eye on the government website, which is actually very good in terms of what support is available. And particularly if new lenders are going to come on stream, there might be other sources of getting access to this money. I think the Chancellor is going to be under huge pressure because the numbers are going to be quite, I think, embarrassing for the government in terms of the amount of money they've promised through this scheme and the amount of money that's been delivered. And I'm hopeful that that will force some change in, in policy and some mechanism to free up some funding uh, in the shorter term. But and the scheme, Andrew, I'll interrupt you there. The scheme has changed. They have improved, enhanced it like they have with the furloughing scheme. Yes. And I think when, initially when you could apply for one of these loans, you had to give a personal guarantee and had to have applied for a commercial loan first, which made it very difficult to do. Now, I think they've scrapped both of those requirements. So particularly the personal guarantee um, not having not even kicked into place. I think every business owner is thinking, wow, I want a, one of those loans without a personal guarantee. But when will it land if, if you're, you're approved? That's, that's the problem. I mean, f- from your position, have you seen any banks that seem to be better than others? I mean, uh, is it HSBC, for example, better than Santander? Any ideas like that? 
I, I have some just anecdotal evidence uh, that that typically Bank of Scotland, uh, NatWest have been have been better than some of the others. HSBC, Barclays, not as good. Uh, but that is anecdotal rather sure. than, than than really factual. Um, so it's it probably unfair to comment on, on that too far. Uh, but that's certainly uh, some of the things that I've heard, and, and also in terms of the uh, uh, the interest rates as well, I've heard are more attractive, and, and those aforementioned uh, uh, lenders. In terms of the personal guarantee as well, you, you are right; it's changed, but I, I believe it's up to a loan of two hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, right. There's no personal guarantee above that; they will seek a personal guarantee still. Now, Andrew, the government have puts together lots of other schemes as well for, for business owners. Now, could you run through the ones that you haven't already mentioned? Yeah, and uh, again, all this information is available on, on the government website. But so, some of the key ones are VAT deferment. So um, anyone who has VAT due uh, between, I think it's about mid-March and the end of June, uh, can defer their VAT payment until the end of March next year, 2021. Um, now, that will automatically uh, be deferred. You don't have to do anything unless you paid by direct debit. And if you have a direct debit, they will take that direct debit. So you need to cancel your direct debit if you wish to defer your VAT. Good advice. Um, and also, you still ha- even though the VAT is deferred, you still have to do your VAT return in the usual timescale as well. So do your VAT return, cancel your direct debit. And the final piece of advice on then is budget for a double VAT payment in 2021, because that may hit you fairly hard at that time as well. Um, so other things that are going on, uh, there's business rates relief program uh, that's specific to the uh, retail hospitality and leisure. And uh, and there's also a scheme for, for nurseries. Um, that That's childcare nurseries rather than the the, the plant variety of nurseries. Uh, and the long-awaited self-employed scheme for those people who are, are self-employed contractors, smaller self-employed sole traders, there's, of course, the... I think they're trying to mirror the furlough scheme, basically, and give 80% of your taxable profits up to £2,500 a month for three months. So there is a way for self-employed people, sole traders and contractors to get some money back unfortunately it's going to be june before uh, at the earliest i think before anyone sees money through that scheme and there are some restrictions about when you have to have started trading and um, what the maximum profit you can make in a business before you're uh, eligible for that scheme so again check the government website on that uh, we've talked about the government grants that's certainly something that everyone should apply for who is uh, eligible uh, there's also a couple of other things uh, on personal self-assessment. Uh, if you have tax owing on personal se- uh, self-assessment, uh, you can delay that until January next year. Uh, and if you have employees who have uh, been away, it's either self-isolating or, unfortunately, if they have contracted coronavirus, you can reclaim statutory sick pay from day one of their sickness for up to two weeks so all those things are a help some a greater help than others and it is worth looking at every single one of those and taking those up uh, as and when uh, may be required thank you andrew now that you set that out very nicely 
but to our the business owners is you know employees their consultants the people who work within their business you know have you got any tips at all in these wild and crazy times for you know how we look after our colleagues well i i think i think communication is is always a key actually when we're not in a crisis good communication with uh, our employees and colleagues is is so important but but now more than ever and I've always had a, a golden rule in, in business, uh, which is sometimes a little bit upside down to, to how many, many businesses work, particularly the larger corporations who, who sort of put shareholders first, then customers, then their staff. I always do it the other way around. And my whole business ethos has been around my, my, the people, the employees and my teams look after them first because they will look after your customers. And if you look after your people and your customers, then the finances and the shareholders get taken care of very, very well. I like it. So looking at looking after your people is the most important thing. And, you know, I'm seeing so many good a- examples. Um, one example is, is a business who uh, is, is a member, a member of one of my tab boards, uh, a, a chap called Neil Adley, who runs a a business called Judge Service, um, and that's a business. Think of it like a, a trust pilot business for the auto industry. Um, and they, uh, because they, and they, they employ about fifty people upon on Cardale Park, a super modern tech business, great company culture. But because they work for the automotive sector, their business is almost entirely stopped. Now Neil and his team have worked out. Uh, uh, how to manage that. The vast majority of his team are, are, are furloughed at the moment. And he is communicating with them very, very regularly. He's having Zoom catch-ups on, a, on an evening. Um, and one of the really creative things he's done, because he's a tech company, he's a, he has a number of developers, he's actually asked some of his people to volunteer to build an app uh, and a platform called Help Next Door. So he's using some of his survey technology to facilitate this community help, allowing people to register who might need some help in the community with food deliveries, medicine deliveries, or anything else, and marrying those up with people who are able to give some help. So in a time of crisis, he's doing something not only that is great for the community, but it's actually great for his business as well because it's giving those people who are otherwise furloughed at this time a real sense of per- purpose to give something back. And I know Neil and his team as well are also considering, you know, what other ways they can, you know, change and, and, and restructure some of their services to create revenues in other revenue streams going forward. So that's just one way p- people are working with their teams to. To, to really keep them engaged in, in, in activities going forward. I love it. What a, an incredible example to everybody around here. I mean, do you have any others? I mean, there's an absence of positive news and you've just given me some. I'm not even sure how to react to good news right now. I've, I've not seen any for a while, but that's one. But are there any others? Well, I, I think, uh, again, in, in terms of employees and, and looking after your, your people. Uh, an, another great example is a company called It's Clean. Uh, it's a, a Harrogate-based commercial cleaning company. Um, the MD uh, is, is a, a member of, of the alternative board. 
David One, and he employs around about 130 people around the area from from Leeds, Harrogate, Ripon, Weatherby, and his business has had a been impact impacted massively by all the offices and facilities that he's cleaning, many of them closing down. But David comes at this from a really interesting perspective, and, and he's really wanting to look after his employees. And he recognises that that the majority of him, his employees are, are at the lower income level in society and the people who can least afford to lose jobs at this time. And he's working really, really closely, not only in business survival mode to, 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 to work with his customers, but actually partnering with his customers to work out how he can keep those people in jobs uh, with some income through this process. So those people and the business can be there at the other side of this to do the vital service that, that he provides. And he comes at this from, from a, a real position of, Really, if he can look after those people and nurture those people, he's going to have a really great business to come back to and some loyalty from his customers who have been really supportive through this process as well. I heard of a story about one of the massive law firms in the country uh, who were going through the 2008 or 2008 uh, financial crash. Uh, they're called Adelshaw Goddard. And this is an anecdote. And again, it might not be right, but my understanding was is when the crash occurred, uh, as Adelshaw got out of a big commercial law firm, they looked at their people and said, well, essentially we've got two choices. We either make lots of redundancies or everybody takes a maybe 25% or 20% pay cut, whatever it was, and we start working four days a week. I mean, you can work five if you want, but you're only obliged to work four. And I think everybody pretty much signed up to it and thought, fine, you know, four days work is, is better than no days work. Um, four days pay is better than, you know, again, no days pay. So we'll take it and the firm pulled through and then coming out of it nobody left everybody was sort of in it together and yeah. the, I think the business grew the law firm grew afterwards in a very impressive way and I'm, I'm not aware of any of the lawyers that have left that firm because of how well they were treated during that time now I'm sure every business can do that but you know those that do I imagine are uh, generating a lot of loyalty um, with the business for for well, you know maybe for the rest of someone's working life um, yeah. Go on, Andrew, after you. Yeah, what, what, one thing that's certainly coming out of the, this crisis, and, and you just see it for, you know, if you take a walk for your daily allotted exercise, if you take a walk around the streets, uh, it's like going for a walk on Christmas Day. Everyone's pleasant with you. Everyone's saying good morning, good afternoon. And albeit at a distance of two metres, but... That is going through organisations as well. And, and of course, there's some desperate situations in businesses and there's some really tough situations for the individuals involved in those businesses and employees of businesses that are really struggling at the moment. But there is some positivity and there is this ethos of people coming together in a crisis. And I have to say the British are really good at that, always yeah. have been. Uh, and, you know, I'm really proud of what I'm seeing out there. And... There are a multitude of ways that people are trying to get through this in the very, very best way possible. And the, the example you cited is not uncommon. People taking voluntary pay cuts to avoid their colleagues being made redundant. And people are happy to do that. 
And you see companies like this who who are the companies who can be poised for success coming out the other side of this. And and I do think that's an important aspect uh, as well. And it, it seems it seems odd to a, a little bit to talk about the opportunities that are going to present themselves coming out of this. But I think it's an important topic that we have to discuss as well. We must. And and, and some of it is is hard to talk about. There are going to be business failures. There is going to be some businesses that will get through this. Therefore, there might be opportunities for acquisition, for acquisition of of clients, if not of businesses. And whilst that sounds a little bit harsh, I think it's the right thing to do because the the same demand for products and services will ultimately come back. And there will be a demand for companies and businesses to provide that demand. Unfortunately, some businesses will have fallen by the wayside. So that presents opportunities for the stronger ones to pick up some of that business. But it's important that they set themselves up to do that because that brings employees back into the marketplace. It brings capacity back into the marketplace and it starts to stimulate the economy again, which is what we will desperately need after this. So I would urge all businesses to really, really start to consider how, when this is over, will they they be positioned to hit the ground running, to move faster, to re-engage with clients and new clients, and to look for new opportunities in their sector or in adjacent sectors that they can start to develop into as a result of this crisis. Because one thing I do know is that the very best businesses will emerge stronger after this, not weaker. Perhaps weaker on a short-term P&L perspective, but as an organisation, as a companies, I think many will emerge stronger. Leaders will emerge stronger following this. I agree with you, Andrew. And one of the trends I'm surely we're all seeing, grandparents as well as children, as well as business owners, is you know the use of technology. Um, it seems to me like tech businesses are, you know, we're already doing well, but we'll start flying with, with, you know, people will, any doubts that they had about the technology have probably now been dispelled as long as Zoom is uh, uh, making sure that it's uh, nice and safe. And as the cabinet's using it for COBRA meetings, I'm sure Zoom is going to be safe. Um, I heard a, a quote from Lenin, Lenin, the, uh, the leader of, uh, I suppose, the Soviet Union, or the first leader of Soviet Union. He says something along the lines of, for decades, it feels like nothing's happened. And then in weeks, it feels like decades have happened. And that seems yeah. to fit this time just so perfectly. That that fits absolutely perfectly, yes. Yeah, I think we can all relate to that, Andrew. Yeah. And so what are the trends then? So if you you probably imagine you agree with me on the technology, you know, what trends do you see emerging out of this time? I mean, you, you already talked about sort of people walking down the street and saying hello to each other, being perhaps a bit nicer. And the British people sort of coming together out of a, after sort of three years of, Brexit arguing whether or not whichever side you're on, you know, that it wasn't very nice. Well, that seems to have been parked, and this seems to be knitting people back together again. Obviously, it's horrendous the the carnage, uh, that, you know, in terms of deaths and business failures and so on, and misery and um, mental health issues. But we, we are, as a country, seems to be coming back together again. Now, is a what trends do you see? What are the positive things? And it's a, a good way to sort of finish a podcast. It's on positivity and future trends. What else have you seen? 
I, I think um, I, I think certainly uh, trends. The obvious trend is, is remote working and things like that, because we're all doing that now through necessity. So that's clearly a, a trend, and I think that's go- going to con- continue because we we all recognise we don't need to do necessarily that that long commute. I I hope there's a trend, uh, and I am seeing it a trend for kindness and looking after one another just a little bit more and whether that you can badge that as a trend or not i'm i'm not sure but i'm certainly seeing businesses taking and business leaders just thinking a little bit more uh, about well how actually do they want to be remembered following this crisis you know what what will people say about them how they behaved uh, after this crisis and, and i think we all need to be uh, to recognise that type of question, and are you doing are you doing the right things uh, during this time? So, I hope something like that comes comes out of this crisis. One of my worries is we we all tend to have very short term memories, and and sometimes we revert to type as well. Uh, so, uh, who knows where where this is going to lead? I think something else that, that can be positive coming out of this, and, and particularly for the businesses that have been hit really hard and, and potentially for businesses who, who have failed because of this, it does give an opportunity to rethink about what's your own personal vision? What do you want out of life? What business do you want to be in to deliver that vision and and it is giving us all time just to sit back and reflect a little bit on what we really want and what's important to us um i i was talking to a, a, another member relatively recently and because their business has reduced quite a bit and they have a, a number of people on furlough they've reevaluated their finance and their and their life plan in a way, and, and not necessarily downgrading the life plan, but just recognising that, well, actually, I don't necessarily need growth at all costs. And they have a, a broader recognition of when enough is enough. And I think that's a really healthy way to promote perhaps a better work-life balance. And that may be something that's coming out of this as well, that Many people who have been busy in offices, busy traveling, are spending more time with their families and starting to to recognize what's important. And I know it's a little bit strange me as a business coach saying don't necessarily grow at all costs. But what motivates me to do what I do is to help people get what they want out of their lives. And that isn't necessarily just growth and money it's finding that balance that they want in their lives to be very satisfied and a business is a tool to get them there not necessarily as a business just to make money 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 and that's why sometimes I I differ from some of my business coaching colleagues where I like to focus on the individual rather than necessarily uh, just the business and just the P&L because I I think that balance is is far more important so if we if we see more of that going on, I think we could just start to lean to a, a kinder, fairer and happier society. And what an exquisite way to end this podcast um, with some positivity. You're right, you know, look at your you know, personal 
mission statement, I suppose, for want of a better term. Um, it's a time to reevaluate, isn't it, whilst the world has uh, slowed down considerably, if not stopped. Um, Andrew, um, is there any sort of shout outs? You'd, you know, this is the time for you to say, you know, helping people get in touch with you, you know, anyone that you'd like to thank on your journey, anybody local that's uh, you know, worthy of um, your praise. The floor is yours. Well, well, f- thank you for for that opportunity, and and yes, people, uh, I, I would love to talk to um, any business owner who who may be struggling or feeling a little bit lonely uh, at this this time. Uh, and uh, I'm more than happy to to speak with people. You, you can find me probably on LinkedIn is the easiest way to find me these days. Uh, uh, Andrew Jackson, uh, LinkedIn. I think my handle, if you call it, is Harrogate Forty Two on on LinkedIn. But I'm sure you'll find me on there. I think the the, the tab community. You know, as, as I said earlier, we, we've worked with hundreds of people across the Yorkshire region, and uh, I work with my business partner, the guy who founded Tab in Harrogate, Tom Morton, uh, some ten years ago, and I work very closely with him, and we work with multiple business owners around. Uh, around the town and I, I think someone as well who, who who every business owner should get in touch with if they haven't already um, in Harrogate Borough Council the small business advisor there a, a chap called Alistair Forbes uh, he's been tremendously useful to many of my clients in, in not just during the crisis uh, but finding access to funding and areas of support for small businesses around the area and um, dare I say it, he, he has a for for a council guy, he has a real commercial mindset and, and he really does get small businesses really, really well. And that's why he's recorded a podcast with me on the Harrogate podcast. Uh, OK, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So all, uh, get in touch with Alistair as, as well. Um, so, uh, yeah. And thank you very much for, for having me. Um, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you this morning. And mine. Yes. Uh, uh, good luck to you and yours during this time. And uh, thank you for helping out all the businesses in this area and um, mine as well. Andrew, thank you for your time. Bye bye. Thanks, Andrew.